Well, friends, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. For those of you joining us uh, in the room, finding your seats, uh, welcome. Uh, For those of you joining us online as well, welcome to you also. Uh, We are a church that gather in multiple ways, both uh, in the room and online and after the fact. And our hope, my friends, is that no matter how you are joining us today, you are experiencing God's welcome and having a chance to connect to His Word and to know what it means for the rest of your life. Um, My name is Matthew. I'm the pastor here on behalf of all of us. Glad you could join us today. Um, I'm noticing that something looks different in the room, Um, and it's good to see all of you with more shades of green coming through uh, this morning. If you take a gentle whiff of that smell, you'll notice some new carpet uh, beneath your feet. And uh, for me, you know, uh, leaders will say, leave no crisis unexploited, right? And I think leave no change unexploited either. And for us uh, as Christians, uh, even small and simple things can be reminders of things that God is doing in our life. And so even as you take in the smell of new carpet today, I wonder if for us it could be a chance to remember the change and growth that is offered to us in Jesus Christ, which is why we're here. And so, friends, um, as we're getting started, a couple things I want to highlight for you. One is that this is an event we've been talking about for months, but uh, this coming Saturday, we're finally here. Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin is going to be joining us right here in the sanctuary next Saturday at 9.30. She's here to uh, be our capstone in a series of lectures that we were doing this year on what life is like for people in our world and for the church after the pandemic. She'll be with us talking about the secular creed. If you'd like to know a little bit more about what she'll be talking about, you can find a description in your bulletin. It's free. Please do join us and invite your friends. Uh, the other thing that I want to highlight for you is that we have uh, guests with us today, uh, Brandon and Jeanette, who represent the Ahadi uh, ministry that we've been a partner with in conjunction with Fairlawn for many years. They'll be set up with a booth in the fellowship hall today. So please do swing by on your way out. Thank you guys for being with us today. If you don't know about their ministry and the work that they're doing, it's a great chance to connect with them. If you're looking for things to support in the coming year, that would also be a great reason to check in with them as well. And finally, uh, we have an announcement. Uh, We make it to the end of our midweek year. want to highlight some things, and I'm going to invite my brother Brett to come up and do that for us. Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Brett Buma. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street. And uh, as Matthew said, this is a time of year when a lot of our uh, ministries are winding down for the season. And, you know, today we're, we're thinking specifically of our midweek program, and that'll include GEMS, Cadets, the middle school, and uh, high school youth programs. Mm-hmm. So that ministers to a lot of kids. Uh, there's a lot of leaders that are involved in that. So um, if you're a leader in any one of those programs, could you rise so we can kind of just recognize you and give you our thanks for your time, your commitment, your love for these kids? Thank you. And I know there's many others that um, uh, we have for the, for the cadet program specifically. We have other leaders from uh, Fairlawn that participate and, and so forth. Um, so again, thank you for all that you do. And, um, and then this morning, we want to specifically highlight 
the middle school youth program. So that's sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. They're part of midweek, so they're meeting every other Wednesday night. Um, and the leaders include uh, Margaret Hendricks, who is, um, takes care of the curriculum and uh, well, the teaching aspects. Uh, Mark True, who is the, the fun and games coordinator. Uh, we have uh, Melody Nightum, who's here this morning from, from Fairlawn that participates in that ministry. Um, and then high schooler Emma Waringa is also involved. So, and there's the 20 kids that are, are part of this ministry. Uh, it's really grown in the past year, and we asked Kate to, to you know, kind of oversee and, and give some guidance to that as well. So as we get into next year, we're looking for some additional leaders, um, as Margaret will be stepping down. So if this is something that, you know, you have a passion for um, and you have some uh, energy or want to be boosted by the energy of these kids, uh, talk to an elder or someone on staff and, um, you know, we'll give you some more information on how you can participate in this ministry. So uh, thanks again. Friends, if you just rise for our call to worship this morning. So our, our call to worship is from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are the people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name.
So we come before God in his holiness, and it shows us our weakness. And in this weakness, we do a thing in church called a call to confession. And we come before God and we confess our sins. And as a body, as a whole body, we confess them together to each other. Uh, So with that, uh, good shepherd, you guide us in right paths. You lead us in the ways of righteousness. But we have allowed our anger, our rage, and our greed and at times even hate, to direct our paths. Forgive us, God, for not following your ways. We have overreacted. We have taken more than our share. We have despised others that seem to have it all. Forgive us for not remembering that we are sheep and you are our shepherd. Forgive us when we have not listened for your voice and instead have acted in the ways of the world. Guide us back to your path, to loving you and loving our neighbors. Help us to unclench our fists and lend out our hands in hope and healing, forgiveness and love. In the name of Christ, our shepherd, we pray. Let's take a moment in a silent confession to God. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep and lays down his life for the sheep so that the sheep may live. We are all part of this flock. We are part of Christ's body. In Christ, we find wholeness and restoration. In Christ, we find forgiveness. Amen. I invite the deacons to come up for, uh, to receive our offering this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you for providing for us, Lord. You've given us so much, and we deserve none of it. Yet we come before you this morning uh, offering our time. We offer this money this morning that it will further your kingdom, Lord, and it will glorify your name. We pray. Amen.
friends, the peace of Christ is with you. Let's pass this peace of Christ with our neighbors. I'd like to invite our Kids Street kids to come up. This is kids ages four through second grade to be dismissed for our Kids Street. People of God, what is our prayer? Continue to show us you're wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Good morning. My name is uh, Sue Cooper. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it's my honor and privilege to um, lead us in prayer this morning. This month, the council is meditating on Psalm 121, and I would like to use its words uh, for the beginning of my prayer. Pray with me, please. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forever. Dear Father, how comforting are these words. You never slumber or sleep, but always watch over us. You know our comings and goings, both now and forever. Heavenly Father, on this glorious spring morning, thank you for your care over us. Thank you for guiding and watching over our church through many seasons, celebrating with us in times of joy and wrapping your arms around us in times of mourning. We pray for your comfort for those families who have experienced the recent loss of a loved one. We especially remember the Herringa and Napper families after the passing of Ted. We pray for many families who are adjusting to a new normal without a loved one. Grant them your peace that passes understanding and fill the voids with your loving care. Father, as you are ramping up all the new life in this springtime, we are ramping down a ministry year. Thank you for your faithfulness in providing leaders for our youth programs. Thank you especially for our middle school leaders, Margaret, Mark, Emma, and Melody. Thank you for all that Kate has done to support them. Thank you for sending middle school and high school students ready to learn, to ask questions, and worship and fellowship together. Thank you for a vibrant midweek session with gems and cadets and learning for adults in John's class and in Pastor Matthew's book study. It is good to gather together to learn about you. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with illness, Rick, Jack, Richard, Carol, thank you that Carol's back home and out of the hospital. We're praying for healing for Jerry and Greg, Ron and Deb, and others. For those who cannot get out because of advanced age, we pray for them and their caregivers. Help us to let them know they are not forgotten and that you are watching over them. 
Father, our world swirls with controversy and tough topics. Guide us through so that we may love as you love and stay true to your word. Bless the upcoming lecture on Saturday with Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin. Use her words to challenge us to walk in your ways. Challenge us today as we hear from your word from Pastor Matthew. Give us greater understanding of Jesus. Bless Matthew as he brings your word to us. Help us to remember to lift our eyes to the mountains and ask, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading this morning comes from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the, shepherd lis the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, good morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, on this beautiful, bright Sunday morning, we come to you acknowledging that the world can be a very noisy place. There are many voices that climb and clamor for attention. You present yourself to us today as the one whose voice can lead us into life. And so we ask, O oh God, on this bright and beautiful Sunday morning, in a world full of noise, that you would come by your Spirit, that you would soften our hearts and open our ears, which is the same thing, to hear and to know the sound of you calling us by name. Amen. During Easter time as a church, we're going backwards through the Gospel of John, and we're lifting up together seven statements that Jesus makes about himself before he is crucified. In the church world, we call these seven statements the I am statements. In the world that we live in every day, we would call them identity statements. 
During the Easter season, we are, we are in a sense, letting Jesus self-identify to us, and we are meditating on Jesus' identity and his self-disclosure, not so much on what he does, but on who he is. In these identities, in these I am statements in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us things about himself, and when he does, there's a pattern to it each time. Jesus will make a claim about himself, and then he includes an invitation as though to say, I am blank, and if you agree, then you will have living bread, living water welling up inside of you. You'll have light in the darkness. Jesus' self-disclosure is an invitation for us to talk, an invitation for us to be in a relationship with him. And that's why we're doing this. Because hearing who Jesus is helps us to discover or remember who we are. Today, Jesus makes a mysterious claim. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. And this is a difficult image for us to connect with at first because we don't quite understand the image that Jesus is using. He's talking about shepherds, he's talking about sheep, which are images that at the same time are both totally familiar to us and entirely foreign. Shepherd imagery is everywhere in the words of the Bible because it was everywhere in the world of the Bible. Jesus imagines for us today a scene that would have been very common in his day, less common now. So imagine with me that the sun is setting in Palestine, and after a long day of grazing, the shepherds and the sheep are tired. They have traveled far today to find grass, and they are too far out to make it home to the village before dark. Sheep need a safe place to sleep. So the shepherds gather their sheep into a small cave and a hillside or perhaps a simple enclosure with low stone walls somewhere in the middle of a field. It is not uncommon for several shepherds to gather their sheep together all in the evening in the same enclosure. Jesus, we understand, is the shepherd in this metaphor. His people are the sheep behind a gate. But Jesus then goes on to describe himself as the gate for the sheep, and that is more mysterious. It piques our interest. How can Jesus be both the shepherd and the gate? So imagine in our scene for a moment longer that it's nighttime in this enclosure those low stone walls that I mentioned, either coming out from a cave or surrounding a spot in the middle of a field, they just have one opening in them, but no door. The sheep go in, and when they're in, a shepherd lays himself or herself across the opening of the stone enclosure. The sheep will not cross the shepherd while he sleeps there. And any predator that might come will literally have to go through the shepherd to get to the sheep. In a dark and dangerous world, this is how a shepherd is also the door, the gate. How mysterious, how interesting. 
But of course, Jesus is using this image common in his world not to describe uh, sheep and shepherding metaphors in the first century world of Palestine, but of course to tell us something about himself. Friends, in this simple stone enclosure in the middle of the barren and hostile world away from home, there is only one way in and one way out. What Jesus is saying is that he is the one who rightfully enters the presence of God, and he is the only one who can reveal that presence to others. He enters through the door, and he is the door for everyone else. Sometimes the things that Jesus says to us are hard because we don't understand them. But sometimes the things that Jesus says to us are hard because we do. The image that Jesus uses is strange, but the meaning is the stranger part. Jesus is not talking about literal sheep. He's talking about us. We understand this. And he's talking about life with God. And he's saying that life with God comes through me. I am the access point to life with God, to salvation, to secure and abundant life. Jesus declares that he is the door to good pasture. Jesus is making a bold claim about who he is and what he offers. Those words If you know the Bible, if you're familiar with the story of Scripture and and how it works, you know that those words, I am, those those are God words. When Jesus says, I am, like this, he is he is evoking what God says to Moses in Exodus. There, barefoot before a burning bush, Moses asks, Who should I tell the slaves in Egypt has sent me? Who are you, God? God says, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Jesus says, I am the door. I am access to God and the life that comes from knowing God. And Jesus' self-identification challenges this mixed crowd of followers and skeptics and curious onlookers and Pharisees here in John And it still challenges us today. In his book, The Death of Expertise, uh, the author, Tom Nichols, he writes uh, recently this book about how skeptical we've all become of experts. And in the book, he tells the story of an undergraduate student who's arguing with a renowned astrophysicist. The astrophysicist is visiting his campus. He's giving a lecture on, like, missile defense or something. I I don't remember exactly. And the student asks a question, and a debate begins right there in the middle of this lecture hall, this student between this world-class astrophysicist. And after seeing that this famous scientist is not going to change his mind based on his undergraduate-level arguments, the student concludes with a harumph, throwing up his hands, well, I mean, your guess is good as mine anyway. To which the astrophysicist says without missing a beat, no, 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 no. My guesses are much, much better than yours. My friends, we live in a moment in time when emotional reactions have become truth claims. In our world, we have all been taught 
to hold our breath when someone makes a declarative statement about the truth or having access to it. No one can possibly know that, we've been taught to say. And anyone who does say it is either a liar or a salesman. We have become deeply suspicious of people who claim to hold access to the truth, even as we all declare with complete certainty that we know better. Do you see the irony? In our world, we have come to treat religion as though it was like a rotunda, like a room with lots of doors, different doors, but all doors that eventually we believe open to the same thing, to God, whatever you call it. And we would like to think of Jesus as a door, but this is not how Jesus self-identifies to us. He doesn't say, I am a door. He doesn't say, I am the preferred door. He doesn't say, I'm God's best door for your life. He doesn't say, I am the door you grew up with. He says, I am the door. And actually, if, if, we, if we take Jesus' claim seriously for a moment, I think we realize that the doors to other religions they actually open to different realities, right? I, so I don't have time to do all of them, but let's take Buddhism as an example. Eastern religion, which is becoming more popular, right? So it, it opens to what? It opens to karma, which takes you where? Right back to where you started. Karma opens to the same room that you are in, and it does it over and over and over, and over, and over, and over again, until finally, at some point in the breadth of the number of your existences in the world, you realize that there is no door. But the life that it promises then on the other side, nirvana, well, in order to get it, it requires that you realize that you're not actually you. You're not a person at all. You are a drop in the cosmic ocean. My friends, I don't want to be absorbed into the life soul of the world. I want to be me, but whole, restored. We need someone who can guide us into some kind of a better life with God. I was uh, thinking of a story by, uh, I think it was George Buttrick, who was a preacher in New York uh, last century, and the story goes that he's on an airplane, and he's sitting next to a man, and as sometimes happens for preachers, a conversation begins between the man sitting next to him and George Buttrick, and they're talking, and the man says, what do you do for work? And George says, I'm a pastor, and the man replies, oh, uh, do unto others. That's about as complex of a religion that I need. And Buttrick asks, okay, well, what do you do? And he says, I'm an astronomer. And Buttrick says, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. That's all the astronomy that I need. <laughs> My friends, if there, is, if there is one thing that is true about the statements that Jesus is making, these seven I am statements that we're looking at together, it is that Jesus is absolutely sure that he is the expert when it comes to life with God. 
He is the door. He is the access, the portal into real life with God. And if we want it, we have to go through him. Part of us isn't sure that Jesus could possibly make such a claim like this and mean it. But I think, maybe just for me, but I'm hunching for you too, that there is a deeper part of ourselves that believes this, this is exactly the most beautiful thing that we could ever possibly imagine. Because in a world full of people like ours who all shrug about whether or not God exists, I mean, how could you even find the door if there was one? I mean, all around us, it seems like God is a wall. And who knows where God is and what God is like? I don't know. No one knows for sure, we say. We'll just have to wait till you get there, we say. In this world where it seems like God is behind a wall that we will never get through, Jesus says, I am the door. Ask a random person on the street this week, how, how, who is God and how do you know? Right? You're probably not going to get a confident, definite answer because none of us are sure. We are blind and we're grasping at straws, which is why Jesus makes these statements in the first place. You know, whenever you see in John Jesus saying truly, truly, or verily, verily, for those of you who know the older version, it's, it's a little hyper tag, it's a little connection for you to go up to whatever has just happened right before this, because it's usually Jesus' way of summing up something that has just been happening before this, which is the case here. And do you know what happened just before Jesus makes this statement about being the gate for the sheep? He heals a blind man. He heals a blind man. In chapter 9, Jesus and the disciples are walking near the temple after the Feast of Tabernacles, and they stumble upon a blind man begging. And the disciples think of this as a curious thought experiment. Tell us, Jesus, who sinned that this man is blind? Was it him or was it his parents? Was it circumstances or environment? Help us to understand this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he makes mud from dirt and saliva and he puts it on the man's eyes and the man washes and he sees. He is given sight. And my friends, in the Bible, that is only something that God can do. Ironically, the blind man's seeing causes rife confusion for everyone else. People who knew him barely recognize him. They say, is it him? We don't know. He looks different, but maybe it's the same guy. Who did this? The Pharisees are confused too. They haul this beggar in for questioning. Who gave you sight? They ask him, how did it happen? Did Jesus do it? Is he a fraud? Tell us. The blind man says, I don't know about any of that. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And so they throw him out of the synagogue because they don't like his answer. And Jesus comes to find this man and he asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the beggar says, who is he? I want to. And Jesus says, you're looking at him. You're looking at him with the eyes that Jesus restored so that he could see him. The beggar seeing Jesus falls down at his feet and he worships. He understands. Thrown out, Jesus the shepherd takes him in. Hearing the voice of the shepherd, 
The blind man follows with an act of worship. My friends, do you see? Jesus says he is the door for whom? For whom? For the blind and the lost and the groping hopelessly for safety and the aimless grasping at straws of meaning and purpose and for all who feel scared and exposed in the world. That's who. The door of life comes to a beggar living alone in the dark. The door of life opens to him. And given the chance, he walks right through it. Wouldn't you? Because they don't understand, Jesus spells out what happens to this blind man for us. He says, I am the door to salvation. I am how the blind see. I am how those who are socially isolated find protection. I am the door to God's sheepfold where you are safe from thieves and from death itself. And because a door opens two ways, I am the door into God and I am the door back out again into a life more bright with color and abundant life than you can possibly imagine. I am how beggars find shelter and abundant pasture. I am the door to life with God and the life living with God in that world. Jesus spells it out, and it's simple, really. He is the door, not the window through which the sheep get to admire God on the other side, not the tour guide describing interesting facts about sheep in the ancient world, not a wall between us and God. Jesus is not a wall. He is the door in the wall, the door in a world of walls and thieves. Jesus' self-identity, Jesus self-identifies not as someone who can point us to the entrance, but who is, in fact, himself the entrance. Jesus is not a guide to God. He is God in the flesh. And Jesus opens the way of life to us through his body, a living door, as Hebrews calls it. And all we have to do is knock. For the door is open. Friends, God's satisfying life has been opened to us. A living way opened through his body. The gospel declares to you today that the door is open. The door is open because Jesus, the shepherd, is also the lamb who gave himself for our blemished lives. And now through Jesus, God sees us as a pure and spotless lamb. And there is nothing that can change that. Through Jesus, we belong to God, and no thief can take that from you. Through Jesus, who is a narrow door, actually life opens up into a wide, brand new experience of the world. He is the door into tasting and seeing just how much God loves us. And he is the door back out into the world and a way of life and service that is full of joy and self-giving love and safety from death itself. Jesus says, I am the door. And what he means is simple, really. As hard as this is, we understand it. Because everyone knows that a door is meant to be opened. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, 
We hear you this morning declaring that you are the gateway to rest and full life today. We confess to you that there are so many other things that we would rather open to look for life. A browser, a relationship, a bank account, a bottle. And yet we realize that none of them ever deliver what they promise. They take us right back to where we started. And so today, hearing that you are the door, we ask that you would open us up to the possibility that you may be who you say that you are. In faith, help us to live and follow you in all joyful obedience, trusting that on the other side of your resurrection, the doors of this church open out into abundant life. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as a church, we receive God's word together and we learn to carry and respond to it together. We do this in ways as a whole congregation through singing and responding and also in unique ways based on our different age, ages and abilities. One of the ways that we can do this is to give our third through fifth graders an opportunity to reflect on what they're hearing and learning in church, and we want to do that now. So I'd love to invite our third through fifth grade students to come forward. Um, they'll have a chance to go and connect with some of our church leaders to talk about what we sing and say and hear in church together. But before we do that, we have a prayer for you guys. Ready? People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. This is us. Help us to believe what we have heard and live in ways that honor you above all. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Friends, would you rise in body and spirit and let's respond together here singing, His mercy is more.
Brothers and sisters, joining the historic church throughout centuries who have reveled in God's mercy and kindness to us, would you join your voices now confessing the ancient creed of our faith, the Apostles' Creed. Together we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as you go from this place, coming in through the door of Jesus, that door opens back out with God's promises that you have found here are just as sure as you go from this place. And so what I'm saying is I'd invite you to lift your eyes to open your hands and to receive God's blessing, his assurance of grace and kindness and shepherding care that follows you today through the rest of your life. Friends, grace to you and peace. Whoop, wrong one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
Go now in peace to love and serve Jesus Christ.